uh, pleased to have with us uh, both Caroline Miranda and uh, Haikwang Dao uh, coming to us from the University of Gothenburg, Sweden. Um, <clears throat> they are going to be uh, talking a little bit about gap junction coupling and islet delta cell function in health and disease. Uh, just a little backstory, a little um, background. The pancreatic islets uh, contain beta cells and alpha cells, which are responsible for secreting two principal glucoregulatory hormones, insulin and glucagon, respectively. However, they also contain delta cells, a relatively sparse cell type that secretes some, uh, somatostatin. These cells have a complex morphology, allowing them to establish an extensive communication network throughout the islet, despite their scarcity. Delta cells are electrically excitable cells, and serotonin is released in a glucose and um, KATP-dependent manner. Um, <clears throat> somatostatin hyperpolarizes the uh, alpha cell membrane and suppresses exocytosis. In this way, islet somatostatin um, uh, potentially inhibits glucagon, glucagon release. Recent studies investigating the activity of delta cells have revealed they are electrically coupled to beta cells via gap junction, suggesting that the delta cell is more than just a parakine inhibitor. In this review, um, they summarize uh, delta cell morphology, function, and the role of somatostatin signaling for, uh, for regulating islet hormonal output. A distinguishing feature of this review is that they attempt to use the discovery of the gap junction, junction pathway together what is, with what is already known about delta cells to reframe the role of these cells in both health and disease. In particular, we argue that the discovery of gap junction communication between delta cells and beta cells provides new insight into the contribution of delta cells to the islet hormonal defects observed in both type one and type two diabetes. And this reappraisal of the delta cells is important as it may offer novel insights into how the physiology of the cell can be utilized to restore islet function in diabetes. Um, Welcome um, uh, to both of you, Caroline and Haikwang. Um, and if you'd like to um, sort of take it away, feel you can start to share slides. Okay. Um, well, well thank actually, you, you know, let me let me just reframe this. I did introduce you guys at, as both at University of Gothenburg, but I see that uh, I was mistaken that Caroline is at University of Oxford. Um. Yes. Well. Currently, we're both in uh, Gothenburg at this uh, present moment, but I am uh, affiliated to both Oxford and uh, Gothenburg, uh, whereas Taichung, he, he is affiliated to Gothenburg. Okay, great. Thanks for clarifying. Yes. Uh, well, thank you all for being here. Thank you for this opportunity of uh, sharing a little bit of our work with you. Um, so today we're going to do talk a little bit about the disturbance of uh, cell a crosstalk in type 1 diabetes. So just a brief introduction. Uh, embedded in the exocrine tissue of the pancreas are the islets of Langerhans. And there's these uh, microorgans that are made up of the cells that together orchestrate glucose homeostasis. And the main cells that we can see in the islets are the insulin-secreting beta cells, the glucagon-secreting um, alpha cells, and the less a, a common type, these somatostatin secreting delta cells. Whereas insulin and glucagon are glucoregulatory hormones, the role of somatostatin is a little less known than, than uh, the two previous hormones. And here we have a diagram of the, the uh, secretion of these hormones in relating to, to, to the glucose concentration in, uh, in the blood. So when uh, a, Glucagon is high at low glucose, 
And when, as we as we near, as we get closer to the normal glycemic concentrations of our five to seven uh, range uh, minimums per liter, then we see the glucagon reaches its minimum uh, uh, concentration, whereas insulin is low at low glucose and increases as glucose concentration increases. Uh, the same trend is seen for somatostatin. Um, glucose regulates the uh, islet hormone secretion. When we eat a meal, uh, we're going to experience uh, an increase in uh, blood glucose. This is going to be sensed by the beta cells of the, the, the islet of Langerhans who will secrete insulin. Insulin is going to signalize all the other cells in the body to take up this glucose removing it from the bloodstream and uh, and uh, restoring the state of normal glycemia. Can you see my pointer here, by the way? Do you see my mouse? Uh, my yes, mouse I do. Mouse? I see it perfectly. Restoring the normal glycemic state. Uh, when we exercise or when we fast, then we're going to experience the, the lower uh, blood glucose. And this is going to be sensed by the alpha cells will then uh, secrete glucagon that stimulating gluconeogenesis and glycogenolysis will put some of that stored glucose back into the blood, once again, restoring normal glycemia. This last part uh, called hypoglycemia-induced glucagon release is a life-saving mechanism because our brain would die within minutes without, without uh, glucose. And in fact, a uh, complication that is experienced by um, patients with diabetes uh, type 1, but even in, in some cases type 2, called iatrogenic hypoglycemia, is when this mechanism is, uh, is uh, faulty, and because of the, of the treatment with insulin, glucagon is unable to, to uh, be secreted in, in the appropriate uh, manners will not be able to, to restore the normal glycemia. And this is a potentially fatal complication, by the way. So delta cells, uh, they are small in number with an islet, 5% in mouse and about 10% in human. Um, the cytoarchitecture of the, the, the islet, they also are uh, different from, differ from mouse to human. And here we see a mouse islet in a cross-section where, where the beta cell mass is uh, a, a clumped in the middle, forming the core. And the delta cells and the alpha cells, they form this uh, a 3D network around the beta cell mass, making the mantle of the islet. In human, what we see here in this cross-section is a, these different cell types are scattered across the islet. And here we have a 3D model of a, um, a mouse islet as well, showing this, this uh, a, a 3D network that the, beat, that the delta cells form with the alpha cells, as you see here, the delta cells in green and the alpha cells in red. And uh, this empty space here in the middle is supposed to be the unstained beta cell mass in the middle. And this is also a mouse, by the way. Um, they have these uh, processes that are uh, meant to, to, to make physical contact with different cell types in the islet. So they have these very long processes. They are longer than the, the cell body. Uh, here we have an illustration of, of, a, of a delta cell. And um, 
here we have a, a, a real picture, a microscope picture of, of, uh, of an alpha cell, sorry, of a delta cell. And this the delta cell is genetically encoded with a fluorescent tag that you can see in green. And it has been stained by some acetin uh, that you can see in red. And as you see here in the ends of the, of the process of the projections, some acetin is present in the entire cell, including the ends of the, the projections. And, and can I just ask things, you quickly, Caroline, is, is that um, image to the, on the bottom right, is that um, delta cell kind of embracing uh, another cell? Oh, it, it almost looks like it's uh, the process um, itself kind of like surrounding another cell. It could very well be. In this particular cell, what we have is uh, only delta cells. Sorry, in this particular islet, what we have is only delta cells. So mm -hmm. it could very well be embracing another cell, absolutely. Uh, hmm. But we, we, well, unfortunately, in this, uh, we, we can't say anything. We can see that for sure, because we only have staining in the delta cells. Okay. And can I ask, do you see a change in these processes in their length, um, in the shape of the processes? Uh, pretty much. You see delta cells of many shapes and sizes. The, the processes, they are usually longer than the cell body, but... Uh, that's not really a rule either. Mm. So, so, but you do see islets of all shapes and sizes, and you also see the, the these uh, delta cells. They they differ, but they they do have a, a certain aspect. For example, the the uh, processes and uh, a, some of statin granules in the process. Uh, it's common to to the pretty much all the cells. Thank you. Interesting. What you see here in this uh, model is uh, a 3D model showing that the, the delta cells, the processes as you see here, they reach towards the, the, the core of the cell. So, those, so these processes, they do not only reach in the X and Y manner, but also in the Z manner uh, uh, to make contact with, uh, with, uh, with islet cells that are inside the, the islet. And the islet cells, they communicate in a paracrine manner as uh, by the, the secreted effectors uh, here as we see, and uh, in an electrical manner. Beta cells, they communicate with each other via, via Gap junction. And now it's becoming more and more evident that beta cells and non-beta cells do communicate with each other via, via Gap junctions as well. Um, B delta cell and beta cell coupling. So somatostatin is a potent glucagon inhibitor. In our studies, we have seen that about 40% of alpha cells, they are under tonic inhibition by somatostatin. And this is in low glucose when uh, glucagon secretion is supposed to be at its highest. And it's also in health, in the islets of healthy mice. So mind you, uh, when the, these islets, when these cells are supposed to be secreting most the glucagon, um, about almost half of these cells, they are they are being constantly inhibited by somatostatin. However, when we test a, a, a static batch incubations a, and we look at insulin, this is not the case for for insulin. So so insulin remains unchanged, as you can see here, a, by the application, uh, the presence or the absence of uh, of somatostatin. So the reader can end up. Uh, wondering if the 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 
a function of the delta cell is merely to be a paracrine inhibitor to, to alpha cell. Um, so to answer some of our questions that we had, we have uh, uh, developed uh, um, some tools based on uh, optogenetics. In optogenetics, we use uh, light-sensitive proteins that we put in, uh, in uh, mouse cells, and uh, we are able to control biological processes uh, just by shining light. So, so this, uh, this particular protein here called chenorhodopsin, um, from uh, from an algae, we have put this on beta cells of mice. Well, not, uh, and this protein is also tagged with the uh, with the fluorescent. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So when we when we put this uh, protein in the beta cells of mice and we uh, isolated these islets and we shine light on these islets, we can see here at a glucose concentration where beta cells would normally be inactive. By shining light on these islets, we see that we are able to elicit um, electrical activity on these, uh, on these, uh, from these islets, from these cells, from these beta cells. And when we look at the insulin secretion by these islets, we also see that insulin increases uh, about a threefold in the light zone paradigm uh, compared to the light zone, showing that this is a true activation activation of the of these beta cells. So we were able to activate the, the, the beta cells. Uh, and when we looked at the delta cells from these islets where the, the beta cells were being activated by light, we saw that when we when we shine light on the on the beta cells, we were able to observe uh, electrical activity in the delta cells. And uh, lo and behold, when we looked at the secretion of somatostatin uh, from these islets, we also observed a massive increase on somatostatin that can only be explained by electrical acti activation of the beta cells. Um, moreover, when uh, we tested to apply inactive current to, to, to delta cells, we see that they are susceptible to inactivate to, to hyperpolarization. So we uh, apply the, the inactive, uh, the negative current to, to, to these delta cells, and they, they do become hyperpolarized, showing that they are susceptible to inactivation. Um, and with uh, some previous uh, uh, gene expression studies, we also see that delta cells, they are rich in this uh, type of uh, 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 gap junction, uh, this uh, this gene that codes for uh, connexin uh, 36, it's abundantly present in uh, in delta cells. So, uh, let's see. collectively, um, we are able to to devise sort of a, a model where we we. Uh, uh, um, uh, propose that uh, the delta cells they're they're uh, normally clamped by the beta cell that keeps injecting this clamping current via gap junctions to the delta cells. In type one diabetes, what happens is that due to the death of the beta cell mass, this connection is severed, and delta cells they are they are spontaneously active. Then, indeed, when we in the lab, if we take islets and we disperse them. 
then the delta cell there, they are normally inactive, they will become spontaneously active. We have observed that. Um, so to summarize this part of the talk, the delta cell has a much more complex role than previously uh, thought, dynamically regulating the output of both the glucoregulatory hormones, uh, being that the paracrine inhibition of glucagon in alpha cells and coupling of uh, 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 coupling to beta cells via gap junctions. Um, so I'm going to leave the, the floor or the mouse to my colleague Haishang now, who will keep talking a little bit more. So Caroline just talked about delta cell and the beta cell crosstalk in ILS in health and the type 1 diabetes. So I will move on to the crosstalk between DART and alpha cells, also in health and in type 1 diabetes. And we are also going to use optogenetics. Here we expressed the channel redopsin in DART cells, and we assessed the expression with the immunostaining of some starting and channel adoption. The, uh, this showed very good co-localization and we can see the expression of channel reduction on the plasma membrane. And when we shed light, blue light to the data cells, we can see the depolarization of data cell membrane during light. And we measured some signals in both data cells, as was shown here in mm. yellow, and non-data cells, the red one. And we can see that light stimulations increased calcium in data cells, but not in non-data cells, which we believe was a beta cell. And also light uh, stimulation activates data cells and stimulated some starting release at both low and high glucose. So the interesting thing is that how data cell activation and how some starting release regulates the activity of alpha cells. We designed an experiment like this. We record a an alpha cell with patch clamp, and then we stimulate the data cell clusters with blue light. And here, if we recorded a cell, an alpha cell, which is close to data cell clusters, we can see that the membrane potential was repolarized very quickly during light stimulation of data cell clusters. However, when we choose an alpha cell which is far, far away from dark cell clusters, the very short light stimulation did not have any effect to electrical activities of this alpha cell. But when we prolong this stimulation, the alpha cell was eventually hyperpolarized. So it shows that data cell regulates alpha cell activity in a distance-dependent manner. And also, uh, we measured exocytosis from alpha cells during photoactivation of data cells. It's very dramatic that during uh, data cell activation and somatostatin release, 
alpha cell exocytosis was suppressed and recovered after withdrawal of light. And for glucagon secretion, light activation to darter cells decreased glucagon secretion at just low glucose concentration, but it does not have any effect at 6 and 20 minimal glucose. So what happens to DARTA and alpha cell crosstalk in type 1 diabetes? As uh, Caroline said, the somatostatin release is increased a lot in type 1 diabetes. And for the glucagon secretion, it's decreased a lot compared to the normal conditions. And we did this experiments in uh, the uh, nod mice, which is a type 1 diabetes model. And also in islets from uh, type 1 diabetes donors, we saw the similar stuff that the somatostatin release is increased in type 1 diabetes. And the glucagon secretion is not regulated anymore by the glucose concentrations. However, when we add the somatostatin uh, receptor antagonist, it increased the glucagon secretion, which means that the uh, alpha cells, they are on uh, inhibition by somatostatin in type 1 diabetes. So this is our general idea about the crosstalk between eyelid cells in health and in type 1 diabetes, that at uh, normal conditions or in healthy people, the data cell somatostatin release only affects the neighboring alpha cells. And most uh, data cells are surrounded by beta cells because of, because of the um, uh, large number of beta cells. And in the alpha cells, which are far away from data cells, they are not affected by some starting release. However, in type 1 diabetes, the data cell is becoming spontaneously active and release more somatostatin. And also the alpha cells, they are getting closer to data cells because beta cells are gone. So these alpha cells, they are becoming silent and they can't release glucagon anymore. This is the reason of low glucagon secretion in type 1 diabetes models. And to treat this, we might uh, apply tributamide like or the somatostatin receptor antagonist, which we can restore the glucagon secretion in type 1 diabetes. And uh, we would thank Patrick Grossman, who is the PI of the labs both in Gothenburg and Oxford, and because some imaging data is provided by Johan, and the, 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 the staining data provided by uh, Ray and Chen in Oxford. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was uh, really fascinating work. Um, just amazing. And um, I'd like to open it up to some questions. We have 
Um, some people in the audience, you can either unmute yourself or raise your hand. I wanted to, I like this slide here that you guys went back to. So are you, you're proposing this SSTR two antagonists um, as a treatment. Um, has that ever been tried historically in T1D patients? No idea. I don't think so. I don't think there are any trials yet. And uh, not sure, no, I don't know. I don't not sure knowledge. Uh... Yeah, so that looks like a very interesting clinical trial, right? To sort of titrate um the you know the remaining uh secretion of uh or, or modulate the, the secretion of the adult cells, correct? Well, that's that's the idea to to rescue whatever uh uh, um, alpha cells and uh, get them uh, on uh, well un uninhibited, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, to, to yeah. get them restore the uh, uh, ability to release glucagon. And which would be very helpful in a hypo. Yeah, in a hypo episode, right? Because that could be if they could kick in and come online. Uh, it might the lows might be less low. It's really yeah. fascinating. Um, Amir, would you like to ask a question? Uh, hi, uh, thank you for uh, this presentation. Just, uh, uh, and thank you, hi, and uh, Caroline for this nice presentation. Uh, just I have a question about uh, how the, with optogenetic stimuli, because I'm not expert in this area, I'm just curious about the, how the, the light can stimulate the cells. I missed that point, sorry. If you can explain in the short, I will be appreciate. Thank you. No problem. Uh, so this, the channel adoption is a channel which is sensitive to light and it's a cation channel. So when we shed light, it activates, opens this channel and then leads to, uh, I think majority of the, 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 the ions should be sodium channel entry to the cell membrane and which cause the uh, depolarization of the plasma membrane. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. perfect. So, so the is... light uh, active channel CHR2 and then it's open the channel and the potassium and ions come inside and stimulate. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'm true. Okay, thank you. This is, uh, you know, uh, in vitro system, but do you, it, has anyone done this in, in vivo in mice? Actually, we have done. We have, we have done, done the, uh, applied this technique, uh, this method in the perfused pancreas, mm. and it worked. Uh, so we can use this to, to uh, uh, stimulate, I'm not sure, but we can uh, uh, inhibit glucagon secretion when we applied light to darker cells. Okay, great. Um, okay, I think, did uh, someone else have another question? Feel free to unmute yourself. Um, okay, so I guess I would say, you know, what is the, what's next steps for the laboratory? Uh, it looks, uh, are you uh, kind of commuting between Gothenburg and England? Uh, how is that working? How is this collaboration going? Well, um, 
Uh, I am uh, currently based in, in uh, Oxford, but uh, as uh, a large part of our work is here in Gothenburg, so, so it does mean a lot of uh, commuting, not as much as Professor Orschman is here every other week, but uh, yeah. but yeah, it means a, it means a bunch of commuting. But it turns out that a lot of uh, researchers do that. I just uh, found out actually, <laughs> not so uncommon to be in two labs at the same time. I think it's great. I mean, it adds, you know, it gives two separate um, environments and probably feeds um, your, you know, inquiry in different ways. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. More collaboration, the better. Um, the more collaboration, the better. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what's next for, uh, do you have a, you know, a plan that you can share in terms of next uh, sets of experiments or is that kind of, you know, under wraps? So right now, uh, our optogenetic work is uh, we work uh, very close to to, uh, to being uh, it's on the wraps, as you say, and we're doing some uh, uh, gene expression studies on the gap junction story mm. because it seems to be more and more evident that there's something there that we we want to look into. Uh, yeah. Optogenetics has been a great tool for us, and uh, so we have uh, we. I mean, it's, it feels like the, the possibilities right now, there, there's so many, there's so much we want to do with it. And um, also going deeper into, into uh, uh, both gene expression studies, but even, even some in vivo stuff uh, as well, not translational yet. We're pretty much a basic uh, research laboratory. So our work is, uh, is um, uh, our in vivo work is all in, in mice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, right off the top, you can sort of think about, um, you know, Coxsackie V virus and how that might be interacting with CX thirty six, right? And um, that would be so what did you say? I, I didn't. I didn't catch you. What did you say? Coxsackie B virus, the CBB. Yes. Virus, and how that might uh, impact, you know, interact with that CX thirty six, you know, component of. Um, the gap junction and you know it'd be so fun to like take some optogenetics and and explore that you know how how it may change things um i've you know that's sort of like a i've read some of that literature and it's very interesting but is the lab uh, is the rosman lab looking for a postdocs this is the last question um and other trainees is it uh, are there projects to be had here's a chance to uh, to pitch that out to the wider audience. Um, so uh, in in Oxford, it, people join the labs mostly when they bring their own grants. So they are sort of uh, like like myself right now. I have I am a SSMF fellow, which is the Swedish Academy for for Medical Research, and so we joined the 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 group bringing our own um, our own uh, funding. And under the mentorship of the very gifted uh, researchers uh, there, mm -hmm. uh, Gothenburg, however, is a little bit different. But we are starting uh, to have some some really uh, uh, gifted people here as well that come with their own grants. So this is mainly the 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 mode of of uh, joining the lab right now. Okay, that's good to know. So if you're in the U.S. or Canada or elsewhere, and you just got a grant and you're interested in these kinds of studies, um, you can reach out. <laughs> yes, and also collaboration. It's something that we're 
we're very keen on doing. We absolutely like love working with other groups and and uh, having visitors here and uh, being visitors elsewhere ourselves. It's uh, it, so just reach out if you if you know something about optogenetics or or just reach out. Do not hesitate to to reach out. Fantastic. Thank you both for sharing this really um, interesting work. Fantastic. Uh, you know, dissection of what's going on here and really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to seeing what comes uh, from your collaborations next. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. Thank you for this opportunity.